This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Had some experiences in the past just talking to various people, um, people that typically uh, don't attend worship services, uh, just choose not to do that. And one of the reasons that they give is, well, churches are just full of hypocrites. Now, that's an interesting statement if you look further into what it is we do here, why we are here, and the fact that we recognize a higher being in God um, to reconcile ourselves toward Him. So as we look at this statement, we want to look at a few things and find out, is there any validity to this statement? Um, in my experience, uh, the one occasion that I'm thinking of, it was pointed out that, that two of Christ's selected people, leaders, people chosen to spread his message, actually admitted to, admitting to being you know, part of hypocritical behavior. And I think as we study from this, you'll find that there's not any validity to that and, and it's most likely just a misunderstanding uh, of those passages. In Romans 3 and 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, that passage right there solves it all. We all admit to this. This is all a part of our lives. Hopefully that's in the past. We've experienced those things. We've realized and recognized that these things stand between us and our God. And the reason we're here is because we want to reconcile that to Him. Period, end of story. Enough said. We, we fully realize that. But as we go further and we look at these things, the two people that come to, come to mind, one being Paul, who persecuted the church. We know that from the teachings. Uh, he spoke of sin even after his conversion. So what's the deal there? Why do we have this person that's supposed to be a leader for Christ admitting to these things? The other one being Peter, who denied Christ not once, but three times. Three times denying Christ. And he, again, was selected by Christ to spread that message. You know, it's an important subject to consider. Because if there is validity to this, we need to have an answer for it. And if there's not, we need to set that record straight and understand what it is that happened in these specific passages. First, let's look at the examples of these apostles that were used to say they were hypocrites. And in Romans 7 and verse 14 through 25, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, this being Paul speaking, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For that what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against 
the law of my mind and bring me, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now we look at this and, and we see Paul's sitting here and he's reasoning through these things because he's doing an evaluation of his life. And he knows he has these things going on and he knows he's facing these different things. And he's torn. He's torn inside because he's experiencing these things. And he says, the things that I know to do, I don't do those things. And the things I know not to do, <laughs> I do those things. And so it's an evaluation of his life and the things that are going on with him. Now, is Paul talking about these terrible, horrible things? Maybe not. Maybe he's talking about those things where he had certain opinions about someone else or maybe he said certain things that he didn't like that he said we don't know what those things are there's been a lot of discussion about that but regardless to say he had things in his life that he wasn't proud of he had things in his life that he didn't think should be a part of his life now the question is does that make him a hypocrite for acknowledging that he had things in his life that he wished were not a part of his life and I would say no he fully recognized that those things were a part of his life. And he wanted to put those things aside. And what did he say? He said, you know, if I didn't have this rotting, stinking flesh that I had to drag around, then it might be easier. And we could all say that. It's the fleshly side of us that's tempted towards certain things. It's not the spiritual side. The spiritual side seeks to serve God. It's the fleshly side that becomes the problem. And he mentions this as he's going through all of these things. And some people read this passage and say, look at that, that's an admission of hypocrisy. But it's really not. We get a picture here of a man that is completely torn inside because he's doing the things he knows he shouldn't and he's not doing the things that he knows he should. And certainly I know in my life I could say the same thing and many of you probably the same. But he's recognizing that and he's making that known. This is an honest observation of someone who's trying to do their best. You know, being a Christian is a way of life, an ongoing thing. It's not an isolated instance of weakness. We have to remember that. And when we think about the success that we have in our lives, and when we're looking at that walk, we can't just look at one instance in someone's life. We can't look at one instance in our own life to say, there you go, an example of failure. Can't do that. We measure success in this life as an ongoing thing. And when we make mistakes in our career, we don't think, well, that's it. I can have no instance of success in my career. I may as well just quit because I did that one thing, and now I can't be successful. That's ludicrous. We would never do that. We wouldn't quit our job over one instance. That's not the way it gets measured. We're measured in an ongoing way. You know, many successful people in business describe failures they had. I think if you look at some of the, some of the biographies of some of the, the business leaders, the corporate leaders and politicians, things like that, people that are really considered to be successful in our society, many of them, part of that biography is them pointing out, look at all of these failures that I had. Had I given up at the wrong time, I would never have experienced success. Never would have happened if I had bowed out the first time that I, I experienced failure. 
So we can't do, do that either. We have to know that we're going to be have challenges in this life. We're going to do things that, quite honestly, um, we're not proud of. Things that we wouldn't want others to know that we've done. We can't measure that as our only measurement of success and think of the failure that, that we've become because of that one thing. In Romans 8 and 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know, he points out that it's the walk that's important, doesn't he? It's the walk. It's the ongoing thing. The ongoing thing being our Christian walk. You know, it's a good point to say Christians cannot have the attitude of failure is not an option. We hear that. Failure is not an option. We see that on TV sometimes. You know, they're going to save the world, going to save the nation. Failure is not an option. But we can't say that in our Christian lives, can we? We can't look at others and tell them, you know, failure is not an option here. You've got to get it perfect. That's not what we should do with other people. And that's not how we should approach things in our lives. Because as we look at our lives, we have to understand that, look, yes, we should do an evaluation of ourselves. We should recognize when we've fallen short. We should acknowledge that. But it's not something we should get held up on. It's not something that we should dwell on because that's just going to prevent us from doing the things that we need to do. And so when we say failure is not an option, that can't be the attitude that we have because there are going to be instances when we're challenged. There are going to be instances when we hit obstacles and detours. And that's just part of life. And we have to be set and able to, to recognize that in our lives. The example we follow is a perfect one. That example's perfect, right? He got it right in every instance. He never failed. He never faltered. And so when we look at that, we can quickly feel like a failure when we do have those instances of weakness. But it's an ongoing walk in striving to do better each day is what's important. Now, what about Peter? We look at Peter. Chosen by Christ. Spread the message. What about that? Denied Christ three times. Did that make him a complete failure? Did Christ recognize him as a complete failure? I don't think he did. In Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75, it says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth and again he denied with an oath I do not know the man and after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter surely thou also art one of them for thy speech bereath thee then began he to curse and to swear saying I know not the man and immediately the cock crew and Peter remembered the word of Jesus which said unto him before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice and he went out and he wept bitterly. Christ stood accused before the chief priests and elders. And as others came to Peter and recognized him to be a follower of Christ. And they recognized that and they pointed it out. And he said, I know not the man. I don't even know him. I don't know who he is. Three times. Now we find a passage where Christ predicted this. In John 13 and 37, it says, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? 
I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily I say unto you, The cock shall, crow, shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. You know, Peter said he would lay down his life for Christ. He'd lay it down, every bit of it. I'll lay it down right now. Christ said, oh, really? Well, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. But he didn't say, Peter, you are such a hypocrite. You claim to follow me, yet you're going to deny me three times? You see, he recognized that in Peter's life, that Peter would have instances of weakness. Christ recognized the weakness in Peter and didn't judge his entire walk on that incident. He didn't say, man, I got the wrong guy. I chose the wrong guy. He didn't say that. He didn't call him a hypocrite. He didn't do any of those things. So does Christ call us to be perfect and ask us to tell others they must be perfect? In Matthew 9, verses 12 through 13, it says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What was it that brought us to Christ? You think about that. Why, why do we want to follow Christ? We could be doing a lot of things this morning. A lot of things. Why are we here? Because we knew we had sin that stood between us and our creator, didn't we? And we needed a way to rectify that. And we found that in Christ. So who did he call? He calls everyone. But not everyone chooses to follow, do they? Not everyone chooses to follow. Because while we couldn't be perfect, we wanted forgiveness of sins and to live a life focused toward God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, it says, Therefore, if any man... Be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray thou in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now we could make it really uncomfortable this morning. If I brought somebody to the front, I said, the righteousness of God is in this man here. That would make any of us uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Because we don't see it that way. We don't see the righteousness of God in ourselves. We think that's putting ourselves too highly, putting ourselves upon a pedestal. But that's exactly what it says here. And that's because when God looks at us and we've put on Christ, he sees Christ's perfection. And he expects perfection. But it's perfection through Christ not perfection through ourselves. He called us to be ambassadors and teach others that yes, we all have had sin in our lives, but through him we can have forgiveness. We can see that turning to Christ because of the sin in our lives does not make us hypocritical. 
So if that doesn't make us hypocritical, what's all the teaching on hypocrisy? There's a lot of teaching on hypocrisy in the Bible. What's all that about? The very definition of hypocrite is one that pretends or cheats. The readings of hypocrites are from his word or just that. It's about people who pretended to follow Christ. It's about people that pretended to give their lives to Christ and follow him. In uh, Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9, it says, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The people discussed here claim to follow God, but it was not, but it was in word only. It was in word only. They, they didn't truly follow Christ. It was just something that they had an, an outer showing for. Not only did they pretend to follow God, they taught commandments of men as being from God. They held people to their standard of preference rather than what God wanted. You know, the only, th- the only thing worse than not following God is, is teaching people that there are other things that they should be doing instead. And that's what was going on here. And these people were pretending to be of God when they actually weren't. And that's their, your true uh, picture of someone being hypocritical. In 1 John 1, verses 6 through 10, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And we see that it's measured by our walk. Not by isolated instances of weakness. However, if we claim we have not sinned, then we can't have the truth. And that's because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all had those instances in our lives that we're not proud of. And we make him a liar when we say that. And we know that that cannot be. That cannot be. That God would be a liar. We must abide by his word and acknowledge we have shortcomings in order to please him. In Psalms 50, verses 16 and 17, it says, But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth, seeing thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee. Another example of people pretending to be of God. He says, Why do you declare my statutes? You know, he's telling them, Get me out of the conversation. You're not following me. You're following the standard of preference here. That has nothing to do with what I've taught you. Seeing thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee. You're not going by my words. Don't tell people that. And it's something that we have to be cognizant of and understand that if we're not teaching the teachings of God, then he wants to be out of the conversation. We have to abide by his word and acknowledge we have those shortcomings. And we can't walk after the world and tell others, you have to be perfect and you have to do these things when we know we, we don't live up to that perfect example. Is it possible there are hypocrites in the church? That's a fair question to ask if there are hypocrites in the church. And I would say, yes, there's hypocrites in the church just like there are hypocrites in everything else. You know, we see people that are held up to... to 
be sort of these gurus, and they have different names for them. They talk about self-improvement, and they tell you, you need to do all these things. You need to leave drugs alone. You need to, you need to have some sort of spiritual uh, uprising within yourself. And then they find out that these very people are using drugs and the very things that they teach people not to do. It's the same thing here. We have to teach what he's taught us and walk that walk in our own lives or we're just another hypocrite. So is it possible? There are, absolutely. There's hypocrites in anything that we do. But as a whole church, as a whole, a bunch of hypocrites, a house of hypocrites, whatever you want to call it, I'd say no. You have a bunch of people that have recognized in their lives and, and acknowledge those shortcomings. And that's why they're here, to follow Christ who can be a, a reconciliation for those things. You know, it's amazing to me in this day and time that most people know. You can't, you can't stereotype groups of people. A lot of talk about that type of thing lately. You know, you can't just cast a net over a whole group of people and think that they all fit one particular description. Yet in religion, we find that very thing, that people are very quick to do that. They can throw that net out there and cast that net, and whoever falls in that net, because they fit into this one, one category, that that description fits everyone in there. You know, people know not to do that, whether it's for race, color, political affiliation, or whatever. You know, it's frowned upon, and it, it, it's very looked down on, unless it's religion. And that's sad. Because you do have a lot of people that care for others, that want to do right for others, that want to teach them to follow Christ. And then you have this group of people that cast that net and calls them all hypocrites. You know, I got in a discussion one time. Um, we were talking there every one time about going to church or, or, or something to that effect. And, and one particular individual pops up and says, well, I don't go to church because it's just all those people are just too judgy. <laughs> I said, you know, you just cast judgment on every person in every one of those churches is what you just actually did. And I, I guess she thought about that, but the last time I heard she was going to church somewhere. So, <laughs> you know, you got to think about these things and think about the statements that get made and is, is there validity to those things? And if there's not, then maybe we have to ignore those things. But I think it's fair for us to do, to do an evaluation and consider the things and whether or not they're true. We have a very descriptive picture of hypocrites given in Matthew 23. Verses 23 and 24, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. I'm sorry, 23 through 33. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought to have done, to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, wake, you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of excitation and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full, full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even... Even so, O ye, also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchre of the righteous. 
and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers in them than the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that, they, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? On the outside, they claim they followed God. Yet inwardly, they could not have been further from him. They chose what they thought was important rather than keeping the whole law, and they picked at small matters and omitted other things of importance. He said, within, these people are full of hypocrisy. And that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, when we look at Paul and Peter's life, that's not a life of hypocrisy. That's a life of someone that's trying to live up to a higher standard. And when we look at these people, it points out that this is the point of being a hypocrite. When inwardly, we couldn't be further from God. But on the outside, we give this appearance that we are. And that is what makes them hypocritical. Not the fact that they may be working toward a higher goal or, or a higher performance in what God would have us to do. You know, they pretended to follow God, yet they had two separate and very different lives. The outer, which appeared to live for God and teach others, and the inner, which was just the opposite. You know, if this describes the church as a whole, and yes, churches are full of hypocrites, if that's the case. But I simply don't believe that's the case. I believe you have people that are striving for better, that are trying to live up to that expectation set by God and exemplified through Christ. I think that's what we have here this morning. And none of us are going to put ourselves up as some perfect example. I don't see anybody in this room that would do that. We have our shortfalls and we have our shortcomings and we have Christ to cover for those things. In James 3, 17 and 18, it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Of them that make peace. You know when we talk about these things. This is the goal that we should have. This is how we should be. In our dealings with others. Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Or easily approachable on these things. It shouldn't be filled with animosity. You know. To tell people. You know how. Well, all the shortcomings that they have in their lives. Most people know that. And they're looking for answers when they have those things. We need to live a life patterned after Christ without pretending. And don't hold others to a standard of our preference or perfection, but rather help them live for God. Avoiding a perception of hypocrisy is important if we're to help others. They can't believe that we're pretending to walk this walk that we walk. They have to understand if we have shortcomings in our lives, then that happens. And we have Christ to cover that. And it's not, some, it's not something we intend to do or we willingly do. Living according to these things we studied can help that perception. So I, I want to remember five things this morning from our study. Number one, live and walk as faithful Christians and don't pretend. Live as we study through the scriptures. Let that be the guide for our lives. Number two, acknowledge that you are not perfect and have had sin in your life. We recognize that. That's one thing we do in our turning, in our repentance. We correct those matters. Number three, measure success by the walk 
not by instances of weakness. And I think that's an important one because those types of things can hold us back from living up to to God's expectations that he has in our lives. Number four, don't hold people to a standard they can't accomplish. You know, it's not our standard. It's not our standard to police. It's not our standard to enforce. It's what God wants from people. And they can only gain that through Christ. And number five, approach others with mercy and peace. And that's very important. Like I said, most people know they have shortcomings in their lives. They don't need someone to remind them of that. They need someone that shows them how to correct that and how to come in contact with the blood of Christ so that they can be forgiven. In Romans 3, verses 23 and 24, we read this at the beginning. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I think we have to continue reading in verse 24 to get the full effect. Being justified freely by his grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the only reason any of us have any hope. Because of Christ. And we've chosen to follow him. And we've put on Christ through baptism. And we've come in contact with that blood. To cover those things that are in shortfalls in our lives. That continue to be shortfalls in our lives. And Christ covers that with his grace. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard. Or would like to know more information please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.